Welcome to the podcast. Woo woo! It's the summer and everything has gone to pot. Yeah, it's a bit laid back. I feel that we should be doing this in a tent in like Peterborough, Soul Survivors just happened. Stafford's about to happen. I feel, no, it's the other way around. Stafford's <laughs> just happened. Peterborough's about to happen. I feel we should be in a tent summer, Martin. Yeah. We, we, did, a, we did a podcast in a hotel room once, didn't we? We did. Did we ever get letters about that? No, we had accountability partners in the room. Yes, we so did. That was fine. They Always. were perched on the bed. Always. We have an accountability partner <coughs> with us, us right now. today. She was, she's just <laughs> spluttered. We've told her not to make any noise until we introduce her, but she's just made noise. So we better, we better introduce her now. Yes, let's do that. Who are you, my lovely, and where'd you come from? <laughs> my name is Rachel Newham, and I, well, I come from Essex, but no one needs to know that. Um, I am the founder of Think Twice, which and does mental health stuff. Fantastic. And this is the first time that we've interviewed you, but it is. you're, you're not, not the first time that you've been to Youthscape, and indeed you used to work for Youthscape, didn't you, I did. back in the day? In fact, I left three years ago. And Last what you, week. What were you doing when you were part of Youthscape? I was heading up the self-harm training when I was here. Fantastic. Now, just to stay on our festival and summer theme, if we were all in a tent right now... Together? Well, together, doing this podcast, I think, because it's so hot right now, today, as we're recording this, I would want my feet in a bucket of cold water. Yeah. That I absolutely, I'd want a cup of tea, a good, and not the UHT milk, I'd want actual milk out of an actual fridge, so I'd have sent somebody to the local shop to get me some milk. Is it likely that you would be in a tent, Rach? That's a very good question. That's I'm incredibly high maintenance when it comes to canvas. I mean, I, I wouldn't be in a tent either. No. Um, so we would both be visiting Martin in his tent. I am. Do you know what? Are you camping this summer? Week C, coming up. Oh my goodness. I am camping with the youth group. Are you? And speaking. Which I've never done before. Have fun so with I, that. I, be honest with you, I do tend to because I, I tended to do this, the breakfasts seminars. Lost, don't you? Yeah. So judge me all you all you like, but I've I've spent the night in a B and B. But this year yeah, I'm actually, doing yeah. the the boys who will not get to sleep until three a.m. Followed by the Solnet breakfast. Oh, so don't go to it. No, actually, the youth workers are all going to go to it because yes. actually, at last, somebody standing there knows what they're going through. So Come they will be as sleep deprived as you are. Yeah. They will be. They'll, They'll be probably. my kin. I like that word. The kin. Kith and kin. Kith and kin. Kiln. They'll be your kin. I, I, actually, I do have this slight moral dilemma, which Rachel will know about because her and I are in the same church and we've been good friends for years. And I, we take our youth group to sort of be, and I. <laughs> <laughs> to Uh-oh. begin with, I would camp with them, and then I would camp half the time, and half the time go to B and B. Yeah. And then last year, I was B and B the whole time that they were there with my daughter. But it wasn't until literally night four they twigged. I wasn't actually sleeping <laughs> on the campsite. I oh, did no. such a good job of like rocking up. I was literally all the time on site with them. I would just sneak off around about half past eleven, and they just didn't notice. Would you? Would you stay? I'm going to bed now. No, no I didn't lie. I didn't and like, make a zip noise. <laughs> about it but I just was like that is so cool wow yeah it was brilliant what did they think of you though then they realised the ugly truth I, they did I have to say it was a very disappointing moment because they had this little pained look in their eyes like we thought you were one of us yeah <laughs> I mean you were. I'm not gonna lie I, I've only camped once for one night and I was 14 and it rained all night and we got wet which meant that I, ne- I refused to ever camp ever again and, and you've stuck to that and I've stuck to that that's all the camping you've done in your entire life yes Yes, wow, it is. Rachel. I'm quite. In, I admire you for that, actually. Haven't you got quite an outdoorsy husband? 
Uh, yes, but he knows that I am not in any way outdoorsy. Um, so he goes for bike rides and I read a book. <laughs> That's great. This is how this works. That's a picture of marital compromise right there. We come together, you know, for dinner and stuff. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sleeps in a tent, you're in a hotel. That's great. It works perfectly. No, he's he's fine joining me in the hotel. Um, right. Well, we don't need to go into that. <laughs> so, um, so uh, just before we dive into anything important, I just need to let you know that we like to raise awareness on the Yearscape podcast of things, Ooh, of issues. We do. And, you know, the issues that matter and causes and that, because I'm yeah. we're proper, like... Lefties, we're aren't we? Activists. We're proper yeah. lefties, and I, I say lefties because did you know it is Left Hand Awareness Week? <gasps> Are you a left-handed? Person? And I am a left-handed Are person. Are you? I'm I a person do... of left hand, as we like to call ourselves. What I wonder is why why you need a whole week. Uh, why do you need to raise awareness of it? <laughs> well, yes. Is that because right-handed people have all the other weeks of the year? Yeah, but there's a donut awareness day. But yeah. You don't need to raise awareness of that. You That's do need to be week. aware of the, the cause, that you know, the, 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 the things that can happen if you eat too many donuts, don't you? Mm. Yeah, but I don't think that's the point that's of the week, That's not what they do on it? the, on the but, day. But what you couldn't see, lovely listeners to the podcast, is that when Martin was talking about him being left-handed, he kept lifting up his hand as if the fact he has a left hand is like sets him apart from the rest of us in this room. So I think we all in this room have a left hand. What I've instinctively yeah. been doing as well is the, is the Beyonce move yeah, from, uh, yes, yeah. from oh, single ladies. Yeah, oh, single ladies. Right. I mean, you're neither of those things. Beyonce, <laughs> single lady. No, a single lady or I'm Beyonce. Not. I'm not. None of those. I'm not single. I'm not a lady, and I'm not Beyonce. But yes. um, you know, raising Tell, awareness, awareness. Yes. of the left hand because you know, do it. Just check, raise you it. You know hand. what? Check your privilege, people. Yum. Okay, because did you? Because really you just yeah, that, I did yeah. just say that because <laughs> you right hand has had it easy, yeah. and we the struggle is real. Are like you yeah. left handed? What about scissors? Yeah, Actually, unless you get a left handed yeah. pair of scissors, no, you agree. are we're but stuffed. Left handers have it much easier now. My mum's left handed, and she was forced to write with her right hand, and once wrote a story entirely in mirror image. Oh my goodness, that's genius! I know, and wow. now she's really. Wow, well that's 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 put me in context, hasn't it? Yeah. Um uh, when you go for high fives with people, I wonder if that's a you know, as a lefty, I yeah. wanna go for the you know, left to left, but people are only off me no, the right. Hand. I can see that and I can also see like what's coming back to haunt me now is all my conversation around kind of check your privilege and emotional yeah. labour and actually I'm sat here as a right privileged right-handed yeah. person woman wanting to say to you <laughs> martin could you just write an essay with your right hand on all the ways exactly. that being left hand is really difficult exactly help me understand so actually i am i'm asking you to do a bit more work so i i absolutely accept my privilege and i'm listening to you so this week what should i do to honor my left-handed brethren and sisterin sisterin slithering slithering yeah shall i do stuff with my left hand like oh, what, think, what should i do I like think you eyeliner should. Left-handed eyeliner. Why I mean, don't you spend a day as a like lefty. a panda. Yeah, I have to do that. Left-handed eyeliner. What else could I do? I eat. I eat left-handedly because I used to copy my mum. Well, that's it, isn't it? I can't eat right-handedly. Left-handedly. Yeah, as in the knife that and fork. That, do you know what? That's an offensive term to us. <laughs> to our community. To the community. To, your community. to the left-handed community. What, what should I say? You could say person of left hand. <laughs> Yes, but then everyone, most people are persons of left hand. This is a safe most space for left hands. hands. This is a safe right space hands. for left-handed people. And if you don't have either, that's absolutely fine as well. So I think that's really important that we honour all the bases. I'm going to open a, a campaign for next year. <laughs> this is terrifying. This is, this is I don't. I don't like it when Martin gets his angst and he's kind of. Do you think this on. is the way for me to get on more speaking platforms? <laughs> because I am a white man, but I'm a left-handed I know. white man. Yes, exactly. I don't think You're... that counts in any way. Right, shape, or have, let's get let's... some ginger hair. Do you know what? I'm going to set up a project to make sure that that, that we check out the left-right-handed equality on platforms. That's hilarious. Yeah. 
That's I mean, you hilarious. say that's hilarious. Like it, It's like hilarious for like 10 seconds and then I want to kind of move on. Like, okay, let's do fine. some serious things fine. that really affect culture. This gag is dead. But look, interestingly, Kim Kardashian fairly recently has said that she's coming off social media because she wants to be an activist. Which is an interesting comment because I would say social media is all about being an activist. Yeah. But if you've kind of spent your entire life as a sex brand then you need to come off social media to be an activist. There's less in that for all dressing. That's why I've come off social media. For you, Martin. Spent my whole life as a sex friend. (laughs) That's what they call me, the left-handed sex friend. This has taken all kinds of turns. We do weird. all this to put you at your ease, yeah, Rachel. Yeah, we do, to make you feel I mean, it does just feel like I'm back in the office on a Monday morning. It yeah, it does ago. feel that. And some dear people are trying desperately to stay engaged. And they're sat all in right. a tent thinking, I really want to hear some wisdom, but you guys are not making it easy for me. So, Rachel, we're now about open outdoors to you. There are three Rachels in the room. Can there I just are. Say this but I'm the only moment. one who spells her name correctly. Hang on a minute. Just Hang on a minute. There was even, if you could listen very carefully, if you turn, if you turned (laughs) the volume right up, you heard producer Rachel there, because she hissed in anger. In absolute disgust and anger. In right-handed privilege rage. (laughs) She, uh, so so you're Rachel, uh, producer Rachel and you, Rachel Gardner. R-A-C-H-E-L. Whereas you are. R-A-C-H-A-E-L. Yeah, Rachel. No, No, Michael, Rachel. It's like the North South divide. It's like, but it is, or the, it's like the Yorkshire Lancashire divide. It's like yeah. me saying to my Lancastrian father in law, oh, my family come from around here, somewhere called Bradford. I mean, it's that level of. Oh, I see. Yeah. Isn't it? It is rich, isn't it? I mean, we love each other, but we have to cross that divide regularly, don't well, we? Mainly because you spelt my name wrong for the first three years of knowing. That's right. Be thankful she actually remembered your name. I still owe her some money for something that she wrote in my book. So the fact you actually rocked up to this podcast is a miracle. So anyway, but excitingly, we've dropped the word book because you have a book coming out this week. Yes, in three days. In three days. Although you could pre-order it now, just saying. We could, right now, at this moment. So what is it? What's your book? So it's called Learning to Breathe, and I started writing it when I was 18. 18. Um, You're not 18 anymore. No, I'm not 18 anymore. I'm not 18. Um, And uh, it was very angsty because it was about my experience of um, being really ill with depression and um, self-harm. And I kind of put it away. And I had... I had a conversation with a friend um, who said, and I was like, I'd really like to write a book. He was like, right, okay then. Um, Here's some numbers of some publishers. Um, Get in touch, do it. And I was like, oh, I was was half joking. and so I spent sort of two years trying to make my teenage angst into something that people would actually want to read um, and kind of interweaving it with some stuff I have kind of observed and learnt about how the church engages with mental health. And yeah, I th- my, my main aim, I think, is I think we've got awareness of mental health in the church. We know it's there. Mm. But actually what we need is an understanding of how it affects people's lives mm. because... It's not like a cold. Mm. Um, it's pervasive, and actually, I think when we kind of get to understand that, we'll be able to, to help people mm. better. So you're saying that you started writing this when you were 18. Now, there, there probably are some 18-year-olds that would be writing, articulating thoughts at that age, but there be many who who wouldn't be able to do that. So it's really mm. interesting that for you, language and words became fairly early on a way of of you understanding how your mental health was impacting your life. Yeah, basic, I I realised about a couple of months ago actually, I tend not to understand anything that's happened in my life until I've written about it. Um, It's it's just the only way I can make sense of it. Mm. And I I learnt that very on, but I only realised it 
mm. a couple of weeks ago. You are a brilliant writer, and I think people that probably find your blogs, and you've written about a number of things, and you've written very personally recently mm. about some big things that, that have gone through. So I'm really excited about mm. this book coming out. And you called it Learning to Breathe. Yeah. Where, where did that title come from? Again, that was what it was called when I was 18. Um, and I think part of it is I have had asthma my whole life and it was kind of initially thinking about those parallels of actually everyone gets the asthma serious and, and can kill people mm. um but actually that's not the same with mental health and um, but with both I've needed to learn how to manage it and mm. how to deal with it so that I can actually live a life mm. that that works so you you say about the need I mean it's interesting kind of trying to take the conversation on uh, we've done awareness mm. of mental health um, for for maybe the last decade, that's really been a key yeah. theme in, in in the church. Um, now we're moving on to understanding. So so you're obviously saying, in order to understand, you need to listen to the stories of people who who have been through some of this stuff. Is that is that kind of the point of the book? Yeah, definitely. It wasn't. When I knew I wanted to write to help people understand, and the only way I could think of helping people to understand was saying, actually, this is what it was like when it was um, at its most severe. This was how I lived my life. And actually, one of my um, key points are saying that I didn't, a lot of the time you would have looked at me and thought, well, she's just an 18 year old who looks relatively normal. Um, you wouldn't expect me to be then having conversations um, saying, actually, I, I, I don't know how to go on. I don't, I don't know if I can do the rest of life. Mm. Um, and that dichotomy was really mm. present. And I think that probably dichotomy was, was strengthened because I was a teenager mm. um, and the emotions would swing. So I, my teenage diaries, which I got out to try and help myself kind of jog my memory, um, kind of angst about the fact that this boy I really fancied didn't like me, mm. sit beside suicidal thoughts. Mm. And they sit in the same paragraph sometimes. And looking back as an adult, you're just like, you were going through all of that and you were worried about him. Mm, it makes no mm, sense but actually mm. that that was my reality and I think that's yeah. the reality for a lot of young people mental illness doesn't exist in some pocket of their life mm. it's it's everywhere so what is it that you really want churches um, and, and your readers to understand about mental health like what is it that takes that conversation on from mm. awareness to understanding I think it's the pervasiveness of it um, with kind of chronic illnesses, um, whether they be physical or mental, um, it's not about, oh, you feel ill, you have a week in bed, and then you get up and you're fine again. Actually, this is stuff that you have to learn to deal with, you have to learn to manage, and you have to learn to bring before God. Um, I think, again, in, in most chronic illnesses, that's that question of healing and where God is in it. And for me, certainly, I've found God when in it when I was honest with him um, and I wasn't really honest with anyone else um, about how I was feeling but I was able to be honest with God mm. and that was where I began to experience him mm. in a new way. Mm. It's, I think it's a very timely book isn't it we've had Patrick Regan on this podcast a, a while ago talking about how the honesty of a silence tour that he's been doing he's mm. just still continually blown away shocked by the sheer number of adults who are maybe for the first time saying I've battled with this for ages and I, I guess sort of 10 years or so of raising awareness it feels like we've entered a stage where 
maybe some of us can now name what it is that we have gone through or are going through. Um, And so your book where you are brave enough to say, this is my story, and actually this is my ongoing story, um, is an incredibly brave story to tell because we quite like stories that are neatly tied up in a kind of, that was then, Mm. but now it's so fun. Whereas I think knowing you, because I know you well, I know your family, just watching that you've, sometimes you've had a few of these things running parallel. Yeah. But you're still preaching and you're still, at the times when you can, you're still writing, you're still saying, I'm, all those skills that God's given me, this is still an outlet for all of that. I, and so how, how has that process been writing about something that is in the past, but also has its live connecting points now? It's, it was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found the writing actually a lot easier than I, than I thought I would. Because it was almost about, it was, it was quite cathartic, I guess. Mm-hmm. And able to be like, oh, actually, I can see what happened there. And... And beautifully, I could I could see where God had moved and I'd missed him the mm. um, first time. But I found the editing really difficult mm. because I was like, how do I edit what I think, where I think I've seen God move, and how do I make that into something mm. that mm. is actually going to help other people? Mm. Because mm. I can write about my own life, mm. but actually, if it's not going to help someone else, there's really no point. Mm. So I think that was kind of the main um, battle, like in particularly in the editing process, mm. was was how can I make this helpful rather than just a kind of mm. monologue of the misery? Yeah. There's lots of talk at the moment, isn't there, the news about um, more money being released from central government around mental health services for young people. A lot of that is going sort of NHS direction, medical mm. direction, medical route. I suppose there's a need, isn't there, as well, for a, a wider conversation about what is it in wider culture that makes mental health more, more of a toxic conversation for young people? What are the other external pressures and things? So in your book, are you, you're obviously writing solely from your story, but do you find along the way that you're reflecting on actually some of these bigger conversations that young people are facing today around you know, global stuff and war and terrorism and all those things that can contribute to even just low-level anxiety? Have you, do you reflect on that kind of stuff? Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the two main ones um, for me, which I then explored, are um, the pressure at school and particularly for me, the impact that 7-7 had. Mm. Um, I wasn't involved in any way, but I watched it unfold and felt my safety kind of slipping away. Mm. My dad worked in London, um, and I remember, it was probably that first time as a teenager, I was looking at the news and kind of, we were in an IT lesson, just kind of scrolling through and trying to find what the truth was Mm. and looking back now that's basically what young people do every single day with every single bit of news we have Mm. the world isn't a worse necessarily a worse place Mm. but we know all about everything bad that ever happens Mm, mm, mm. um and i think again the school system was pressurized when i was at school i was absolutely devastated with my gcse results which were a b's and c's (laughs) and yeah you know it, it actually took me getting a degree to be like oh actually maybe they were all right yeah um and i know that that is even even worse now my husband's a teacher and just seeing the the sheer hours young people are expected to put in Mm. is insane young people do have a working week that is longer than is legal for most adults yeah and that that can't continue without having a huge impact on our young people's health and and a big part of the kind of the, the life of young people and the, the, the sheer amount of time that young people um, spend sort of switched on is te- technology. Yeah. And what's your perspective on the kind of impact that technology is having on young people's mental health? And, and is there something that we as youth workers need to say into that? 
I think I think we need to understand the platforms that they're using because I think quite often we catch up and we're like oh actually they're using all these things and we don't really understand them and actually we need to be one step ahead of them if, if possible and trying to get to grips with actually what are the the benefits but also the pitfalls because social media isn't a demon it's not um, I mean we all use it quite frequently yeah. um, most of my career has happened in part because of social media mm. um, but it's about I think teaching young people that critical thinking and actually mm-hmm. they if they're filtering their images so is all the images that they're looking at and helping them to understand link those two things up because mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people young people in particular will put 12 filters on their own photographs but look at someone else's and just think, well, that's just how they look. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that that can then have a massive impact on your mental health because yeah, you compare exactly. yourself to those those people who you think you're just seeing the unfiltered them yeah. and you think, I don't measure up and therefore a little sort of spiral happens. Definitely. And so yeah. on, so, okay. So when you've written um, Learning to Breathe, which is mm. out this week. Out this week. Out this week on, on the 16th, isn't it, of August? Yes. yes. Do, you, do you picture in your mind who you're writing to? And if so, give us an idea of who who are they I think the main picture was was church leaders and youth workers actually Brilliant. to say that this is this is what young people in your congregations and your youth group might be going through something similar but mm-hmm. sort of 10 mm-hmm. years later and mm-hmm. um, yes it might be helpful for those who are who are struggling as well but the main thing was to say actually this is the reality of what living with a mental illness looks like these you know people are sitting in your pews in your Sunday groups and your Friday night youth groups and actually how can you connect with them mm-hmm. um, without just having that kind of classic how are you I'm fine how are you I'm fine and then n- nothing going yeah, any further yeah. mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I suppose just to sort of take it one step further as you've mentioned youth workers we're, we're aware that with your work with Think Twice which is mm-hmm. a brilliant resource for church leaders and you travel all around the country you and your team don't you and one of the things that you do talk about is something you've mentioned a few times, which is suicide and suicidal yeah. thoughts, which I think for us as youth workers, we're just so, oh my goodness, you know, when we've got a young person with suicide ideation, it's, it's what do we do? Like, how do we handle this? How do we help this young person? How would we know if this is what they're going through? So you touch on that a bit in your book because that is your story. Yeah. But you've got a sitting audience here of youth workers listening to this and, and might be thinking, oh, actually this book might be a great resource to give some of my young people. Is, what would be some of the things that you would say to us as youth workers? How do we know if young people are struggling with this? How do we respond? Just give us like your little kind of nutshell. Obviously, you talk way more about this in your training. but I think, firstly, it's having those conversations. Not being afraid to ask somebody if they've, they're considering suicide or if things are feeling so overwhelming that they're not sure that they can go on. Using that language, because talking about suicide doesn't make it more likely to happen. It can actually, it can save lives, mm. um, and actually, for me, having people with whom I could say, actually, I don't, I don't want to live, I don't want to do this anymore, mm. and be that honest with them, mm. enabled me to to keep going. Mm. And I also think, particularly in, in church youth ministry, I don't think you can have a conversation about suicide and suicidal thoughts without having a conversation about lament, because I think that is the only way the church can respond appropriately to suicide we have the church has done a lot of of damage when it comes to suicide this Mm. idea that it's the unforgivable sin that they're going to end up in dante's seventh circle of hell and actually we say people who who are struggling with thoughts of suicide 
for the most part, it's not a rational decision. Mm. It's not something, it's not a decision that is made when they're thinking really clearly. Mm. It's people with broken hearts and crushed minds who are looking for a way to survive mm. um, or to escape. And I think the way that in which we can respond to that is say, actually, you can bring this stuff before God. Mm. Mm. Um, there are people in the Bible who struggle with the same thing. Elijah mm. says, take my life, Lord, I've had enough. Mm. Um, Psalm 88 talks about darkness being um, my closest friend. Mm. And I think we need to engage with those texts in our youth groups so that they can see that it's not something that mm. they can't talk about mm. to God. Absolutely. So if people would like to connect with you and find out a little bit more and I hope find out about the book as well. Um, how do they connect with Think Twice? So um, Think Twice is on social media at Think Twice Info. That's across of them, and then um, it's www.thinktwiceinfo.org. And I also want to pick up your blog, and you write under Rachel Sonali. Is that right? Rachelnewham.com. I oh, made it easier it. because okay. everyone thought Sonali was my surname. And it's oh, I see. So Rachelnewham.com. But yeah. you you write there about a whole range of things yeah. and the way that for you you are journeying with mental health in a whole range of stuff. So for anybody listening, thinking actually I want to hear more of the way that you process and tell story, I think people would love your blog. So go and check out your blog. Thanks. And you love butterflies. I so do. you are the queen on Instagram. Of but you put lots of butterfly images up, don't you? And very pretty things. I just like pretty things. Basically, it's, it's lovely. It's Beautiful Instagram. We went as a team to a gin distillery. We did. I'm didn't so we? jealous. And, yes. uh, you did not do this kind of thing and when they, I was there. They have a butterfly uh, enclosure. It's beautiful. Isn't yeah. It? Except when one lands on you, freak me out, man. Really, oh, Martin? Is it, is yeah, they—they they, don't know they're, they're light in the air, but they're just—it's just terrifying. I don't like bugs. I don't like bugs. <laughs> they are, the, the ones there are quite enormous, aren't they? They are huge. Very big and they're, and they're made of gin or something. <laughs> they must be. Do they, put, they, do they crush the butterflies and put them in gin? No, is that what gives it I flavor? don't. I have no, not at all. But they were hilarious because I've been used to going to butterfly world, but with my daughter, where the butterflies are maniacs, they're like flying everywhere. Whereas these are like quite cumbersome, and they did just sort of land. on Maybe they were drunk. They so were I was drunk thinking they were drunk butterflies. They just sort of landed. I mean, that's, on that's an image, isn't it? Anyway, um, so you can find out more yes. in all those places. Thinktwiceinfo.org is the main place to go. Um, buy Rachel's book. Buy, buy Rachel's book, yeah. Learning to Breathe, published by... SBCK. Uh, priced... 9.99. Yay! And uh, is there a butterfly on the cover? No, there's not. Oh, disappointing. I wanted... Um, yeah... Yeah, okay, I've, I've really I've hit on a <laughs> nerve. It's a sore spot. Raw nerve. We're going to say some quick shout yes. outs and hellos. If you'd like to throw one in as well, you may, perhaps to one of your favourite people. Um, so uh, we're going to say hello to Charles Merritt. Oh, you turned it into I've a got jingle. A song for him. Yeah. Charles Merritt. You've got a song for it. No, let's move on. I'm so awkward every time we mention Charles Merritt. I love you, Charles Merritt. Um, fan club, fan <laughs> club, fan club. Hello to Linda Givenathan. Oh, yeah, I, let's do that again. He kills that. Hello to Linda Jeevanathan, who is a brilliant uh, local youth yes, worker here in Luton at Hope Church. At Hope Church, yes. And of course, the wonderful staff and faculty and team and rabbits at Moreland's Bible College. We love you. We think you're phenomenal. Rachel, do you want to give a shout out? And to Sarah Percival Long, because yes. she was so sad when she was not on your shout outs anymore. Oh. Was she? I thought she would be. Oh. We love her. And you and two were BFFs. We were. We used to eat noodles together pretty much every lunchtime. Oh. <laughs> it's great. You can have real fun by joining the team here at Youthscape. There are always job opportunities. Youthscape.co.uk slash work with us or something. 
something. Yeah, brilliant. About, about us, work with us. About us slash work with us. <laughs> Producer Rachel, she is frowning at me. Rachel is just shaking her head. It. All the Rachels are looking yeah, at me right now. we're all shaking our heads. Whether we've got an extra yeah. A or not in our name, we are all there. shaking our heads. Yeah. Great, well... Wherever you're listening to this from, from some far-flung field with lots of wonderful young people that you've now not got to go and feed on the budget of £1.99, bless you. We think you are fantastic and we hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. No, you see what you're doing there? You're doing the right-handed thing. I am doing the right-handed thing. just going in because a right-hander always thinks they can finish the podcast. (gasps) Okay, do you know what you are? You're left-splaining. I am left-splaining. So Um, my left-handed person friend is now going to... Person of left-hand. Can I I just say I think this has gone too far? No, it hasn't, okay? I am going to... As a left-handed sex brand, (laughs) I am going to finish the podcast. Goodbye.